Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, which is your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, on various social media channels, and with me today again is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster, uh, who's a good friend of mine from our local church. Gabe, welcome to the podcast again. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, so in this episode, we are just going to be continuing our conversation of Warbreaker. This will be part two of Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. And today we'll be talking specifically about the main characters and the various story arcs that are in the book. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the various religions of Warbreaker with uh, uh, the Returned and Auster or Austere, however you pronounce it. Uh, just the differences and how we can relate all of these things to our own Christian worldview and our faith. Um, so if you haven't seen or watched or listened to uh, part one of the podcast, uh, make sure you go check that out. You can find it on any podcast platform or on our YouTube channel. And a link will, to those things will be in the description. Uh, all right, so let's just jump into uh, this first section, which is uh, the characters. Uh, so the main uh I guess character arcs we have in this book. So we have uh, Vivenna and the mercenary crew and their kind of story through basically like the first, like two thirds of the book is Vivenna and the mercenary crew. And then there's a bit of a, sh- a shift uh, where it's Vivenna and Vasher. Uh, so we might talk about the differences between those. And then we have Syrian Sussebron. Um, Sussebron. It's too many. Whenever you're reading fantasy books, the problem we're is we're never going to get them all right. We're never going to get the names it's right. Be okay. It's impossible. Um, you're just going to get you're going to get hate mail saying you should have said it. Yeah, they're going to say I should have listened to the audiobook so you would know all the correct. And then names. I have no excuse because I did listen to the <laughs> audiobook and I still get out of. But it then now. there's people who say audiobooks isn't real reading and those people suck. So audiobooks people... audiobooks are real reading. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I agree. I was told that by a librarian. She made me feel so <laughs> proud of myself. I am getting exposure to new ideas, even though I'm using my ears. Oh, my she told eyes. you it was good to do that. I thought she was telling oh, yeah. you that it was bad, that you aren't reading. No, it she told me real. it was good. She said, I was about to say, that's like the worst librarian ever. <laughs> no, she's awesome. She's okay, really that's awesome. good. That's a good librarian. All right, so next we have uh, Light Song and Larimar, and their whole story of the priests and Lightsong being a reluctant god, as it were. He doesn't believe he's a god. And then we have Vasher and Nightblood. Uh, so it's, we'll talk about a little bit about that. I think it's fun to see uh, just their conversations between Vasher and Nightblood, because Nightblood is like a, he's like a child in a lot of ways, and he's kind of like trying to figure out just like why things in the world are the way they are. And if you're not sure who Nightblood is, it's also a sword. Yes. We're going to assume that you've read the book though. So there will be spoilers in this podcast. So if you haven't read the book, uh, either you don't care about spoilers or you can leave and read the book. And welcome to the podcast. If you don't care about spoilers. Yes. Welcome. If you don't care about spoilers and you just want to hear us talk about this. Um, and then there's a few side characters. We have like all of the returned characters like Blush Weaver and All Mother, and there's a few others that we might hit on. And there, then there's some priests like Blue Fingers and Trelides. Um, so we might hit on a few of them and what is going on with them. Um, so yeah, so let's just talk about, let's start off with Favenna and uh, the mercenary crew. I think Favenna is probably the main character. Uh, it's tied probably between Favenna and Ciri. Um, yeah, so what did you just think of Vivenna as a character and all of her interactions with the with the mercenary crew? So yeah, so Vienna, uh, she is the daughter uh, Vivenna. Vivenna, thank you. I always <laughs> say that wrong. Um, is the daughter promised to the Haladrin to marry the God King so that they can the God King can have a baby that would have royal blood and then, you know, you know, take over the whole kingdom. And so she's been preparing her life to um you know go to the court and you know be a good wife to the god king and kind of work on behalf of idris and then at the last moment the father gets cold feet and sends his youngest daughter siri into uh the god king's arm wife and she has to go through this tedious um 
process of kneeling naked before him every weeks and weeks and there's this whole thing um and she is the youngest daughter and she is unprepared she's kind of shirked her duties um because she's she's not expected to do much because every every other child has so much responsibility and cared so he sent her instead and it's interesting how the story unfolds a twist at the beginning of the book um and so it's fun to watch um Vivenna go into the city of um you know the Haladrin looking to help her sister Siri who is now married off to Sebron who we don't know much about just know that he is the god king he is all powerful and seems like a very scary person do whatever he wants because he has so much biochromatic breath that if he wished you know thousands of people to die it could happen in his use of the biochromatic breath so he's kind of mysterious at the beginning um yep and then i i mentioned in pod um the podcast the first podcast that vivena's story is very interesting because she's prepared her whole life for something that never happened um and i think that like when she goes to the searching for purpose and she's trying to figure out like how have I prepared my whole life for something that's never going to happen? Um, and I just feel like a lot of Christians, you know, feel that way. Like they expected life to go one way and life threw them a curveball, and they find themselves in a situation that they were not prepared for. Um, yep. So I, I keep making this analogy of uh, Vavena being like a Christian in the world, as it were. Um, so it, it was fun to watch. Um, watch her get into situations that she was unprepared for. Um, well, what about you, Tyler? what did you think? Uh, yeah, I thought, I think Vivenna is a really uh, good character. I, I also enjoyed seeing her go to Alondrin and just be confronted with so many things that are completely contrary to how she was brought up. And she, the, like the way, like the things she was taught about Halandrin, like anything she sees, She's like, oh, that confirms exactly what I thought about Halandrin. Like, they're all evil and they're all crazy people and uh, they're heathens and all of this, uh, all of this stuff. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting to see her worldview challenged over and over and over again until she was like, the things I was taught was just not, it's just not, not correct. And I need to change how I'm approaching uh, the people here and whenever I change how change my approach, then I can actually accomplish things and get things done. Whereas if I'm just like trying to beat people over the head with like, you're a heathen and you're terrible and I'm not going to talk to you. And then I'm just going to use you for my own personal gain. Then it's, you're not going to really get very far and everything. Um, is, I think you mentioned uh, that her, that her father got cold feet and sent Vivenna instead of or he sent Siri instead of Avena. Is it that he got cold feet, or was it like the best chess move in like the history of, <laughs> of like Warbreaker? Because he like like nobody expected that. And then I wonder if it was. I just wonder like maybe this is like something we can ask in a Brandon AMA. It may, maybe he's already answered it, but was it like a conscious decision because he knew that it was the right? Like it was actually the best thing to do or was it because he actually did get cold feet and he was just didn't want to send Vivenna because he loved Vivenna too much, which is what he told Vivenna. But I don't know. I wonder if he just, if he just knew this was the, this was the best way. This is the best thing to do. I, I love that idea that it, like he was playing this chess move the whole time and he's just like, <laughs> they're preparing and I'm just going to the biggest round of the works and see what comes out the other side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but as a father, like, I totally get this idea of like the connection that you have with your firstborn. Um, my daughter is actually the only person that's biologically related to me in my life. Um, mm -hmm. and I just feel like it's a different connection, like from my wife, from my parents, um, being adopted. And I, I feel that tie. I just feel like, yeah. I intuitively understand what she wants and what she needs. And uh, so I am more in the like he because in, in at the beginning of the book, he said, like, if it came down to like them hurting her, 
you know, and me giving up like the throne, choose giving up the throne. And to be a good king, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Um, I don't have any other kids at the so, but that that's just where my heart went to. I was like, I totally get that, you know, being a father. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it'd be cool if it was like the best, like the most 4D chess move of all time. It could uh, be. It could be. We'll never know that. So, um, yeah, because I don't think we actually see him for the rest of the book. He's in yeah, like the I first few chapters, and then up. he's gone the rest of the book. So, actually, would have been nice to see like a like a flashback or like a in a lot of Brandon's other books in the Stormlight Archive, he has what's called interludes. Like after each part is over, there's a section of interlude chapters. So that would have been a good like interlude chapter. Let's like what's happening back in Indris, and we can see kind of um, what people like how they were reacting to when Vivenna left to go f- get Siri. Like, what did the king think about that? What was he planning to do? We kind of get some stuff later on where he had sent a bunch of soldiers to like go retrieve her, but I think Denth had uh, killed them. Uh, so I think it would have been a would have been a cool interlude chapter though to see what was happening back there. Um yeah, it would be interesting to see what what he thinks of his decision like <laughs> Yeah, like after everything had gone after down, he was the like the army has mobilized. He's like <laughs> It's like I made the right decision. Like how how would you have ever known that that would be the right thing to do? Crazy. Yeah. Um so yeah, Vivenna and the mercenary crew. So I think the mercenary crew was, I thought they were pretty funny until you knew that they were like the bad characters. Um, but I thought they were like pretty witty and pretty, I liked their, like their mercenary humor where they're always joking about like, I gotta go break people's knees or we gotta go kill people or all of this stuff. And they always say like, why do the people always think mercenaries are the bad guys? When they're yeah, they're trying to portray like, themselves as like the nice people. Assassins are just mercenaries with cooler names. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I thought that they were a good like you know comedic part. And and then like you have light song, um, but I I thought Denth and Tong Fa were um, a good dynamic duo that kind of kept the the mood light. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then and then the twist. And then the twists. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think the twist was, I don't think I, I don't think I saw any of the twists coming in this book. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a good book. Um, <clears throat> do you want to explain the twist? Yeah. So the, basically the twist with the mercenary crew is that they so are the working for Vivenna who had like got inherited basically, um, the henchman from the spy that was placed by the Idris in Halogen. And he is yeah. dying, and he gives the breath to Vivenna, and yeah. she inherits the breath. And then also, the sorry, go ahead. It was a little bit of setup. No, yeah, go you. ahead. Uh, yeah, so she inherits the uh, the breath, and so now they're they they're working for Vivenna, technic, but not really. They're just kind of like playing along with her so they can get what they wanted. And Vivenna thinks she's kind of in charge the whole time, but she's really not. She's really just Kind of doing whatever Denth and they tell her that she should do, and they're making it seem like the ideas are hers, but they're really just playing her as a fool because she's not from Holandrin. She doesn't know anything about the city. She doesn't know anything about how to start a a rebellion or how to prevent a war from happening. She's like in way over her head, and they just take advantage of her. And it's actually funny how it it happens because she did not she never intended to leave she was abducted by vasher and that made them think that they ha- that she had figured them out but in reality she didn't figure anything out she just went back and found people dead and she was like oh my gosh i've made a grave mistake so yeah it was it was like a very uh like she didn't mean for it to go down that way and if Vasher hadn't abducted her, the plot line just would have played itself out, and I guess you just would have had to rely on a uh, on Light Song to f- to f- to fix everything in the end. Yeah, and yeah, Vivenna um, was just you know rolled along by Denth saying like we have these errands. To- yep. and like it's just easier to take you with us to um, have you 
being a separate well, how can we keep you safe and so he like totally manipulates the uh situation yeah she thinks that she's like in control of it yeah that was a very interesting um then the total <laughs> switcheroo and then um they're against vavena and then she's put in basically with vasher and with the interlude of being the poor person in the city yeah yeah um yeah do you want to talk about her being kind of the 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 poor wretch street yeah, beggar just a li- person just a little bit um so she um has has the breath and she needs escape um i think it's from vasher right and then she commands the um breath out of her body and she's saved and she has all the breath um, but she's in a weakened state because it's in the it's in cloak. Like a, it's like a shawl. Cloth. Yeah, it's like a shawl. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's a shawl that she's wearing. Um, and then so she's she doesn't have any of her power, but she has the shawl because she knows at some point she could get the breath back out of it. Yep. Um, and she's just you know, like just on death's doorstep, not being fed getting bullied out of places to live like she goes to this alleyway and then she gets kicked out of it and she finds a different alleyway to live in um you know and and this is so far removed from castle life as she's really just kind of beaten um down and then uh, do you remember how she gets the breath back out of the shawl um i think vasher finds her and, and she, he gives he, her the command. Yeah, he right? takes he takes her back to wherever he was and feeds her. And mm-hmm. I think because he he thought that she was the cause of all of his problems, but it was really Denth who was the cause of all his, all of Vasher's problems. And so I think he realizes like, oh, I could I don't actually need to do anything with Vivenna. I could just she's not like she's not causing me any problem, and I can probably work with her instead. Um, so I think, I think that's just how it happened that he, he eventually found her in the slums and took her back. Um, but I, I really liked this part of her, uh, character story just because it reminded me a lot of how, like in our own lives, there's a lot of things, a lot of times that's the times where we are like kicked and we're down and we're like we feel like we don't have any hope is those are the times where we really learn like who we're made, like what we're made of and where we really like learn new things and learn new ways of uh, approaching life and like making ourselves better. That's how we become better people is whenever we fail, we have to pick ourselves back up. We have to learn from our mistakes. We have to uh, learn what it means to be weak so that way we can be strong. And uh, yeah, I think from a Christian perspective, like God will, like give us he won't give us temptations that are more that we can handle if as long as we're trusting in him but he will give us trials and he'll give us things in life that are hard so that we can make sure that we're relying on him and we can remember that we are strong in the lord not on our own uh not under our own power essentially sure and i also think you know going back to the sower and how you said the parable of the sower yeah, the parable of the sower um, and how, you know, the seed was spread in the weeds, on the rocks, on the side of the road. And then the one, you know, I think about the rocks being the place where people read the word and they get excited about being in relationship with God because they in God, when things get hard, they just kind of default back to the way of the world. And then, um, you know, the Christians who have taken the time that deep relationship with God. Uh, again, I just come back to my own <laughs> struggles right now. I don't have a coming into next year. And um, it's, it's tough to like, you know, have um, a mortgage and to have, you know, things weighing up. And I know God is going to provide. And I just am waiting to see it out and see where I'm going to end up next year. And it is hard to reconcile the anxiety that I feel on the day-to-day basis, not knowing where my paycheck is, and knowing that God is working on my, you know, uh, me, the best plan for me. Um, and so I am, I, 
I have roots with God. Like I've taken the thing. And I think God is putting me down this trail because I just have to keep going back to him. I have to keep relying on yep. source of like uh, inspiration every day, even when I'm unsure about the future. Um, and I, and I just totally identify with that, with that journey. And um, I'm thankful that I have the root because I think previously in my life, I did not have kind of would go to God and ask for things. And then if things weren't going just be like, oh, whatever, and then, you mm-hmm. know, you know, it would, God would not be my prime, but, um, yeah, yeah. ever, I, I, I'm saved, uh, you know, baptized in Arkansas, and then I've <laughs> tried to turn to God just a little bit more every year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I also like that, the, the story with her, because, it's not even like Vivenna doesn't save herself. Like she like Vasher is the one who just comes and plucks her out and saves her. So, and he's debating killing her, right? Yeah, I think so. That's what he was originally. I think that's what he was planning to do is to kill her. Um, <laughs> so, but I just think it, like Vivenna would have died in probably in that scenario if Vasher hadn't have hadn't have found her and taken her, given her food and all of this kind of stuff. So. It's just, it's another parallel to say, like, we need to rely on God because if it wasn't for God, then we would just be dead in our sins, right? Like, we're, like, we can't save ourselves. All we have to do is just accept the gift, and then God is the one who does the saving of our souls. So uh, that was just a really cool parallel with her story. Um, yeah, let's just move on to uh, Siri and Susabron. Sussebron? Sussebron. Sussebron. It's always going to get me. Um, Alright. Yeah, so I I think I I really liked Siri's character. I think she's kind of like the the rebel child and then she has to like, she's thrown into this uh, scenario where she has to be the one who does her duty and all all these things. So, and at the beginning she's like, okay, now I have to be She's like trying to channel her inner Vivenna. She's trying to like remember all of the things that like, what would Vivenna do in this situation? Or like, what what did my father say? Or I'm trying to remember like those, those like five lines that I remembered from my class that one time that I attended. And she, yeah. <laughs> she's like racking her brain for all these different things that she needs to do to like do her duty for her country, essentially. Um, but it turns out that like if she had just been kept on doing her duty and not being herself, essentially, she would have never figured out what the deal with Sebron was or like what's going on with the priests. Why do they not want him to talk? You know, all these different things. And like being her true self is the reason that, uh, like the story plays out the way it does, because if she was just, she just completely changed and tried to be another person, then it wouldn't have, like worked out in a way. I don't know. What did you think of Siri? Um, yeah, just, I agree completely again with another person who had no plan in life and thrust into this very important situation where she has to be the God King's wife. And she has to kind of like represent her kingdom and her family, uh, in this. And she's a good enough daughter to, yeah, I the rebel and the one oh, who has kind of just cut out there for a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's always been like the, uh, it, you know, like she, um, it, she just has to go and be the, the perfect person. And she tries to be, but it doesn't, it doesn't pan out. She can't do yeah, it. Yeah. it. The, the fake face has to drop away and she, Sebron opens up to her. Can we talk a little bit about Sebron? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so yeah. So Sebron is built up as a dark character. He has all this biochroma. Like, reality basically is like bending around much yeah. power. And uh, he's kind of like he's the like unknown. Yeah, like you, you don't want to mess with him. And, and, uh, and then like she, you know, she's kneeling before him. She's supposed to have a baby. Like she's being encouraged by what's the 
what's Bluefinger's name? I think it's just uh, Bluefingers. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he oh, has he's a just name. Bluefingers. Yeah. yeah. So he's like telling her that um, you can't have the baby. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Yeah. And so, and so we learn that Sebron has been observing um, Siri and just kind of watching her. <laughs> and the whole time, he is essentially like the perfect person. Like he is humble. Like he believes in right and a wrong way. He believes in mercy. He's a kind and compassionate person. He wants the best for other people. And I think it's just so like so human of us to like expect anyone with infinite power, infinite resources, infinite respect to just be bad. Just to like, you know, like I can have someone, you know, suffer on my, you know, because of my whim. Like I want to see that happen. And, you know, I just feel like that is the way of the world. Some I I feel that truth and honesty is the way to power, Mm -hmm. you know, just use like being respectable and honorable is the way to get true power. But there are people who have like backstabbed and like gotten their way to the top through various means. And that's kind of what we expect of Sisebron. But boom, Brandon flips the script. And he's just like yeah. this honest, loving person, and goes out. King, um, and it all comes back to the books that his mom like read to him. They're yeah, little parables or little tales about how he should act. Like the like the Grimm, like the Grimm's fairy tales or whatever. Yeah, exactly. he basically has a, he has a copy of Grimm's fairy tales. That's what he's reading from. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, and, and so like that is another. So like at the beginning of the book. Siri and the Vivenna switch, and then you have the God King, who's the dark, ominous presence, is out to a kind and honest person who wants you know the best for people. Again, totally caught me off guard, and yes, this is this is a good book. So yeah. I totally enjoyed you know learning, uh, you know reading through that um, with Sebron. What about you? What are your thoughts on Sebron? Yeah, I like the plot twist as well. Uh, I think it's like he's he has he's like has childlike naivety almost where he's like the only thing he's really learned is from those basic storybooks of like this is how the world is this is how you should learn and this is how like this is what you should learn this is how you should act and treat he's other a people virgin and, by the way and he doesn't know what sex is that's yeah that's awesome. right uh, <laughs> an area of comedic relief for sure in that in those scenes. Um. Yeah, but I I really liked just seeing how Siri has to like almost become like a teacher to him. Like she has to explain how things work in the world and has to explain, uh, just like she gets it gets like gives reading her, and writing. Yeah, right? like reading and writing. Although because he's the God King, he like picks it up so fast. It did mm-hmm. seem a bit unbelievable of how fast it did happen, but. Let's just it's, give the it's the a it's a fantasy story. So biochromatic breath. Yeah, that's right. So he's at the tenth heightening. Come on. Yeah, he's he can learn some letters. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, it was like a foil. There's like you know that saying where it's like um, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like he's yep. the exact opposite of that because he he does have like complete power, um, like with in a biochromatic sense. He has yep. all the power, but in a way he has no power because the priest had like stripped all of his like authority from him because he doesn't have a tongue. So he can't actually use any of the power. So I think just him be, like not being able to use the power and like see what, like how he could like take advantage of people like him, not having that ability keeps him in this state where he doesn't necessarily he doesn't think to take advantage of people or he doesn't like, that's not even part of like his thought process because he hasn't been exposed to like the way of the world and all of these different things. And like, he doesn't understand because they've kept him in the, kept him in the dark essentially. And so I don't know, that's kind of like to the priest's detriment almost because he, like he turns against them because they didn't take it upon themselves to, I don't know, like corrupt him in a sense and teach him like 
this is how things work in the world and this is how you use your power and we're going to use it for these purposes and for our own gain and we're going to put down the other people like they didn't teach him anything and because Siri's there now she gets to do all of that teaching for them uh which they it's bad for them so yeah i i really no, enjoyed I it i totally agree with you and like the i think that one of the major parts of his development the removal of his tongue so without yeah. him being able to speak commands he cannot awaken anything so like that is why like he is so powerful because for generations and generations souls and souls and souls have been donated to him and i've got in total and they were trying yep. to have another airborne siri you know um the woman with royal blood uh and so there's this plot to kill sasebron um and or to make him give all of his breath to the new god king puppet um that they are in control of. um yep. is that the way that you saw it happening yeah so they were gonna uh basically they were gonna have I think they no, they thought that they were going to kill Sasebron and give all of his breath to this other child that they had already prepared. But at the oh yeah, because at the end they at the end they were like, right. oh, we're not going to kill you. We're just going to like send you away, and you can just live out your life like a normal person. Uh, which I thought that was also like a weird plot twist, but just because, like, well, I guess he's harmless now because he has no breath, right? So. Yeah. I guess no harm, no foul, but I guess they were they were just trying to it's like the Wizard of Oz like don't look behind the curtain like you'll uh, you'll unravel all of our like <laughs> you'll see what's actually happening and all the machinations going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it just seemed like a there was like this big production around this uh like transferring of the of the breath. Um <laughs> because i guess they need the breath to be able to control all the lifeless armies i guess that's the real the real important yeah, thing that they the want to be able, yeah they want to be able to have that that final control because the person who has that many breaths can break the commands of the other returned who currently controlled all the lifeless so the person who controlled the god king essentially controlled all of the armies even though the returned or in control of the armies, but they had the the final authority, as it were, uh, for all of that power. Right, so, and so it was Light Song. Like, so there's like forty thousand lifeless that are in these yeah. cities. Is that right? Yeah. And then split between like um, Blush Weaver and Light Song and All Mother. Yep. Um, I think it was Mercy Star was the other one. Yeah, and so they all like share the power of these forty thousand. They each have ten thousand. Yeah, they each have 10,000, and the God King could countermand the bonds to those returned yep. and, and taking control of all of them. So yep. there is a big plot going on behind the scenes, which is pretty cool. Yeah. There's so many like little intric intricacies that we could... He, he did a good job of, we, of, of universe, you know, all the intrigue that's going on. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Brandon is such a good writer. <laughs> I, I love a lot of his books. So, um, yeah. Now let's jump down to just Light Song and Larimar. What did you think of Light Song? I really liked him. I think he was a funny character. My wife was reading the book with me as well, and she was always chuckling um, at the scenes with uh, Light Song, just with his random wittiness. And he's he doesn't have like a care in the world for a lot of stuff, but He's he's like a serious person, but he doesn't take himself seriously, I guess, in a way where he's yeah, like, he can't he can't believe that, like, people would actually follow him. Yeah. Kinda, like, yeah. blown away by that. Like, are you seriously going to me? Yeah. Like, have you seen me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's like, it's just funny. Yeah. So and, and, you know, like, um, just to kind of jump into a Christian perspective here, like. Light Song is kind of like the person who is for God, but then like sees their own not ready, or you know they see that in themselves and they kind of kind of laugh at themselves. Um, but, you said you he like sees the flaws in himself. You cut out a little bit. Yeah, more. but but in the end, he does something great, and he does. Yeah, exactly. You know, 
And um, I think, you know, he sacrifices himself, which is, or at least his breath. Um, well, to, he does. He does die. Oh yeah. So he sacrifices himself completely. Did <clears throat> because right? it's the it's the divine breath that he has is what does the healing. So once you lose the divine breath, then you cease. That's your like. That's like your complete soul. In the last podcast, we talked a lot about how breaths are like your soul, in a way. So. Go listen to part one if you want to hear that. And so, yeah, and each returned has a divine makes them separate from just normal people who are normal yeah. breath. And uh, yeah, and I just think about how even though he's a flawed character, he's a great um, comedic kind of like relief throughout the book. Um, he does end up doing something great and he ends up healing the God King, which is how back. And he can issue commands and awaken things. Um, and so, you know, it's it's funny how God can take broken things good. Um, and that's why wherever you are, um, journey with Christ, or um, that you can you can be part of God's um, movement, and He can use you. No, and uh, sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Some days I definitely don't feel worthy of God's love and, you know, being uh, his, his son. So um, I always like to remind myself and, and, and you and the listeners just that you are God's uh, children and that he will take care of you uh, if you turn to him. Yeah. Um, and and that's, yeah, that's what I like about the song is he kind of reminds me of that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the people in the Bible are... Like the not, like they weren't the special people, like yep. they were the fishermen, they were the uh, the the farmer sheep herder person. That's Abraham. They were the Moses was a murderer who killed killed the the Egyptian person and ran away. And like God uses all of these different people to uh, achieve His will and His purposes. So there's there's nothing in your life that is going to preclude you from serving God in some capacity in your life. Um, yeah, so that's definitely good encouragement for sure. Stand upon his firm foundation. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, let's move on to Vasher and Nightblood. I, All right, do you want to give the origin story of Nightblood? Or yeah, so here's the... you want to do Vasher first? No, yeah, we'll do... We'll do Nightblood, and then we can talk about them together. Uh, so, Nightblood basically was a sword that Vasher and Shashara, I think is how you pronounce her name, uh, Vasher and Shashara are married, and they discovered a way to uh, awaken inorganic objects, like metal and stuff like that, and also give them sentience. So it's similar to type one, like a type one biochromatic entity, which is a sentient human. But this type four is a sentient inorganic thing that's not alive in any way. So it's giving sentience to something that never had any life to begin with. And I don't remember the specifics of how they figured it out, or I don't really think that was explained that in depth of how it was like the science behind it in some of Brandon's books. If you've read stormlight archive, the uh, rhythm of war book four that came out just last year, that is like a science lesson on steroids for the Cosmere magic systems and stuff. Um, <laughs> but this does, this didn't have a ton of explanation. Um, but I think there's going to be a Warbreaker sequel at some point. So maybe we'll get some more details. Um, yeah, and I, and I think one of the things that we should mention about is that they created it with the idea of um, they had to give it a charge. Oh yeah, like, right? they had to get they had to give it a command for sure. Yeah, and then they de they deliberated over what command they should give this inanimate object, and so yeah. they landed on destroy evil. That yeah. was the two things, um, and then just like bad AI programming like 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of had to rein in Nightblood and only use extreme situations. Yep. Because the way he interpreted that uh, command made him a, a loose cannon. You weren't really sure what Nightblood the blade was going to do. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so I thought they, it was really interesting how for like the entire book all all Vasher does is he just throws Nightblood into like a crowd of enemies and then they just kill themselves because whoever picks up the sword Nightblood like takes over their mind essentially and like forces them to kill other like kill their friends because he needs to destroy evil so I thought that was just a very unique way to use the sword because you're not actually using the sword like the way it was intended you're just throwing it into a crowd of enemies and letting Nightblood do its own thing instead of actually wielding the sword but we do actually get a scene of him wielding the sword at the end which was it was pretty epic yeah we talked about that in the first podcast yeah awesome epic that that battle was <laughs> yep that was like the that was like the big burst of action at the end there Oh yeah, because there wasn't sure. a lot of action in this book until the very end. So, uh, but because by that point in the book, you're like, like consumes all of the um, breath yeah. held inside Vasher and just like destroys things. Yeah, epic scene. Um, yeah, for, as for Vasher, I enjoyed just Vasher and Nightblood's conversations. That they were they were kind of funny. It's kind of similar to like. Siri and Sasebron where Vasher has to like explain things about the world because Nightblood he's a sword so he doesn't necessarily like understand like why people do certain things or why they how they say certain things um so I thought it was a it was yeah definitely interesting just to see how Vasher has to like how he explains certain things and how Nightblood responds to those things like he doesn't like understand basically anything. <laughs> what did you think about uh just Vasher as a character? Um in the in the first scene in the prologue where he approaches yep. the guy who's being tortured and says, You need to give me all your breath uh yep. because you don't want your enemies to have it. You want to give it to me. Yep. You know, he's kind of like, you know, he's this cold calculating sort of person. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's kind of your introduction to him as a character. You know, the prologue is the first thing I've read by Brandon Sanders. Read by it and interested. Um, and then, you know, Vasher's, what would you say that Vasher's ultimate goal in this book, Tyler? Uh, I Do think, you think his, he is I think the his... war breaker. Yeah, I think his goal is just to um I guess his goal is just to stop the war in general cuz that wasn't that like his entire purpose from the beginning is to to come to Haladrin and stop whatever war was was brewing. I'm I'm trying to remember Thanks. some of the original scenes, the, some of the first scenes with him and what he was like what he was trying to accomplish. Yeah, um, he um but he uh and then how he kind of like adopted Vavena and uses her and kind of teaches her how to awaken things. So he does become more of like the tutor. And then at the end of the book, we find out that he doesn't he have like a divine breath inside him as well? Yeah, he's returned. Yep. And uh, that just like blows my mind because he's so he, he like gives out his uh, breath to kill um, Denth in the final um, encounter. Yep. Yeah, so now let's uh, just jump into some of the side characters. There's a bunch of uh, the returned, uh, such as Blushweaver and Allmother. Uh, I thought Blushweaver was... Uh, he, she was like the embodiment of the... like the hedonistic kind of culture of Halandrin. Like, she's wearing the very revealing uh, <laughs> clothing, if you can even call it clothing. Um, and she's always trying to entice Light Song to, like, <laughs> come to bed with her. Uh, and Lush and Blight, Light Song is always like, "Nah, I can't do that." He has he always comes up with some reason why he can't for some reason. 
And then you have all mother who's like the complete opposite of blush weaver. Like she actually cares about being uh, a God to the people of Holandrin and she actually wants to make a difference. And, um, she has altruistic motives. Uh, whereas blush weaver is just kind of in it for like the power. And she just wants to, um, like use, all of her assets as you were to her own uh, to her own advantage instead of like for the good of other people essentially and i think maybe light song is kind of in between maybe he doesn't want to be uh someone who's only in it for himself but he also wants to like he sees the benefit in uh like using power for like good things i guess i don't know yeah he's also very much trying to avoid type of response sorry you cut out there a little bit yeah uh i said anything that he he light song is always trying to responsibility i feel like yeah avoid responsibility yeah like he he likes his little missions that he's figure out stuff but uh in in basically any other time he's just like yeah i don't want responsibility yeah, he likes no, to do like the side quests, but he doesn't want to do he doesn't want to have like the full weight of the everything is relying on me. But then at the end he kind of like everything does rely on him and he realizes like, oh, this is this is why I was here. I was put here for this exact purpose at this exact time. And now yep. it's my I do have the responsibility. So in the end he does take the responsibility, but it takes a long kind of little road little bunny trail for him to get all the way there um but it took for him to be in that specific situation at that specific time to realize this is this is where this is what needs to happen i think the uh whenever blush weaver dies is whenever he's like wow this is serious business here like he there's no messing around anymore i think that kind of like as a massive shock to him and it was honestly a really massive shock to me too like just getting the priests just slitting blush weaver's throat in front of light song man that was like that was was brutal brutal. that was brutal brandon like i didn't think you'd you would do that to her that was pretty pretty crazy so gave me some like game of thrones red wedding vibes you just oh yeah man if you haven't seen game of thrones uh don't you may you or may not want to watch it don't get attached know. to any character yeah, don't get attached to any of the characters because they're probably gonna die at some point so that's basically what happens yeah so yeah but i think that was pretty savage and that was a definitely that was a big plot twist for uh, sure yeah no did you have any other thoughts on any of the side characters uh not too much uh i just liked how song and blood um these composite names of like blush and then weaver i'm gonna make men blush around me and yeah yeah and women and uh yeah. light song is kind of like the light person out and um he's not gonna take himself too seriously yeah and night blood so he kind of in my you know brandon sanderson has you know kind of kim made these names through like what he wants the character to be so he kind of yeah you know symbolizes them through their name yeah um, all right, so now let's move on to some of the just the religion of the religions that are in this book. So basically, we have two main religions. We have the Alondrian religion, which is worship of the God King and all of the returned, such as Light Song and Blush Weaver. So all of the people worship those returned, and then there's like the ultimate God, who's the God King, who is like the supreme being, I guess. So it's kind of like a hierarchy. So it's like the God King, the returned, and the priests. And then everybody else, I guess. And what's interesting is, like, uh, they even talk about that, that, like, the God King is just a person. Yeah. But he is a person that is in control of so much biochromatic breath that he becomes the God King. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, So I found that to be very interesting. Yeah. um, So the... And then the second religion we have is Idris, and they worship Oster, Austere, something like that. Austrian. So that's like a Austri. So this is like a one one god religion, whereas Halandrin has the worship of all the returned, and so they're worshiping all of these different people. So it's like the classic polytheism versus monotheism 
religion clashed where the like the Jews in history worshipped the one God and the Romans or the Greeks they worshipped the many gods and we have a God for everything we even have a God for an unnamed God that we don't even know and I like that scene in I think it's an Acts where Paul uses the unnamed God to give like have an opportunity to talk about who that unnamed God is and that is the God of heaven and Yahweh and uh, I like that scene in the that uh, passage in scripture um, so the Halandrin with the, the returned and the God King that reminded me a lot of, uh, like Buddhism and reincarnation where it's really focused on the people who are returned. It was, they're returned because of something that they did in their previous life that was so important or special that like the, 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 like the God of the world or like the supreme supreme being above the god king um allows them to come back uh with a divine breath and like they're now they're able to like live another life essentially and benefit more people um so it just reminded me of like works based religions where it's all about what you do in this life and that's what affects your whatever happens in the next life or it affects on whether you come back reincarnated as like something better than you were before or lower than you were before. So like in Buddhism, if you don't, uh, I might be getting the, if it's a Buddhism or is it Buddhism with the reincarnation might be getting it wrong. Um, but. I think there, I mean, you know, it's not specifically just, you know, Buddhism there. I feel like there's some Indian beliefs, yeah. uh, that also believe in reincarnation and, uh, yeah. Um I, I I do believe that Buddhism has some um yeah. reincarnation. Well, the, the basic premise is that if you do well in this life and you do good things, then you get a reincarnated life in the next life that's better than you were before. And then vice versa, if you did bad in this life, then you are reincarnated below your standing than that you were previously. So it just reminded me of, of those kind of religions that we have here on the earth. Yeah, and then the Aus the austere religion, it's, I guess it's kind of trying to be mirror of somewhat with Christianity with like, just be, it being like monotheistic. Um, it just felt like a little like simplistic compared to Christianity. And it felt like it wasn't completely flushed out, I guess. Um, so like they have the, the five visions. And so the five visions are like patience, humbleness, self sacrificing, selfless and understanding. And I feel like a lot of those were just like, they all mean kind of the same thing, like humble, sacrificing, selfless, like all three of those just kind of sounded like they were different avenues of like the same trait where you're, you're not focused on yourself and you're just more worried about like not puffing yourself up and making others look making others look better instead of making yourself like the center of attention. Um, I don't know. Did you have any just thoughts on the difference between the two religions or any of the other things? Um, yeah, I, um, you know, I think that your um, analogy between like dude, because a lot of the tales in Greek mythology are, but not how they are beings in any way and how they're human and flawed and how they make mistakes and that's how you know things happen um you know zeus came down and had um you know children with human women and that's very much yeah a philandering man sort of (laughs) approach like the like the people they're worshiping are just people they're just like powerful people essentially so they're not actually gods they're just people with Something that's supernatural. Breath. Yeah, they're just people with biochromatic breath. So, and then the divine biochromatic breath. But what was interesting yeah. was that um, the God King was, um, you know, they t- they say in the book he's just the person with biochromatic breath. Yeah, and he's given this power. Um, so, yeah, I think um, you know it's definitely a monotheistic versus theistic sort of approach, and I do like how the return are people they are fallible yep the religion of 
the Idris with Austria, Austria, say it, um, then that they have, um, like, they talk about how that God was never on earth, never seen, just like Christian God, you know, well, there's Jesus, but in living memory, there isn't, like, you know, the God running around the planet. Yep. Um, And so, again, it just goes back to, for me, um, Vivenna's experience being quote unquote like a Christian and thrust into the yeah having to reconcile the beliefs that she's grown up with with the reality of what's going on. Um yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that's that's basically what I took away from it this theistic yeah, the point. Polythe- polytheistic versus monotheism. <clears throat> um your mic is cutting in and out a little bit so hopefully we can fix that for the next podcasts hopefully um yeah uh so now we'll just move on to uh just like one christian takeaway we had for this uh mine was just that like worshiping things of the world will always let you down like i think a lot of times even as christians like we like to make idols of other things that are in the world like we put our trust in like our like our money or our like our careers or we like we're putting all of our self-worth into things that are worldly and are things that will never live up to the expectations that we have for them and like in this book we have all the returned and the people that they're all the things that these like the people that they're worshiping like they're just people like we said like they're not they're not like better versions of people like they're just uh, people with lots of power and they're still going to make mistakes and they still can die and they can still um, do things for selfish motives. So the the object of their worship is they're really just worshiping power. They're not worshiping a being or a person that is uh, like elevated to a, a way where it's not like they don't have uh, uh, selfish motives, I guess. Like they're completely uh, separate from uh, like the the whims of fallible man like they're not they still have all of those things and that's that's what their people are worshiping they're just worshiping power and not um like an actual supreme being um so that was my just general takeaway from like the religions and how like we worship a god that is above all of those things of man and he's uh he's loving he's selfless he's um just he's all of the things that humanity aspires to be but can never really fully get to because we're sinful and that's why we're saved by grace yes exactly we we cannot get there ourselves yeah for sure um yeah i think my christian takeaway would be um again i harping on it but i just vivenna's experience of being raised it's just you know if you are a Christian and you're and you're practicing um, following God, and a good barometer, like what is what is something in your life change for God because you've read Scripture and that God is do something different from the way that you've always done something. Um, and I think it's you know it's this journey of like we are put in new situations every day, how we approach those. Situations godly perspective yep. and how we need to push ourselves uh to understand our and to have reason you know everything that we do um that are back to um you know are grounded in scripture it comes back to wanting to be able to foundation if you want to build are, a biblical foundation is that you said yeah like a strong biblical foundation and yeah. rock and uh, just being able to um, live in God's word in a way that you don't have to worry about the future. Yeah, that's all really good stuff. Um, yeah, let's just move on to some closing thoughts. Did you have anything? Um, I think I've just I really enjoyed this book. Um, I think it was really great. It had some exciting action towards the very end. It had a lot of 
political intrigue, which was interesting and seeing how the different characters are going to navigate the political structures and what was going to happen and um, all the different plot twists I thought were really good. Um, yeah, so I just thought it was a great book, probably one of my favorite Brandon Sanderson books so far, although he doesn't really write like bad books, I don't think. Uh, so yeah, I think anything you read by him is going to be generally pretty good. So what about just any general thoughts to end the video here and the podcast? Um, so yeah, if you haven't, if you thought that any of this was interesting, cause we we're telling it to you and you have, please let Brandon Sanderson tell it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you have, uh, I bet Tyler is going to put a link to the description on where you can find the book. <laughs> yeah, where you can buy it. Yeah, ho hopefully if you've listened to this, you actually have read the book. But if you haven't read the book, hey, if you, you haven't, have a lot I'm of things you, spoiled. You should, you should but check it out. It was it was definitely a good read. Yeah, it was a good read hey. or a good listen. Um, good go for the audiobook too. Yeah, I I do the audible book. Um. So, yeah, I think no, it was just fun. I enjoyed it. I learned. I enjoyed like the magic system and concept of turned and um, it. It was a. I mean, you're not going to be disappointed at the universe kind of gone into. Um, was it yeah. Cosmere before? Yeah, the Cosmere is where a lot of his books take place. So, um, like each series of books, like Warbreaker takes place on a certain planet. And then Elantris is on a different planet, and then Mistborn is on a different planet, and then Stormlight Archive is on a different planet. And these are all planets within the Cosmere in this uh, solar system. Um, and then at some point, <clears throat> he's going to write a book, uh, I think it's Mistborn Era 4, I want to say, where it's going to be a space opera, where like a lot of the, the planets are going to be interconnected, and there's going to be a lot of stuff happening like really big Cosmere things, but that is like way down the line. So uh, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm a, it takes a big brain to like orchestrate yeah, really. all those moving parts into like a bigger narrative. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the ride. It's a lot of books and it's a lot of words, but oh, it's so good. So if you've never read anything, Brandon Sanderson, this is a good entry point and we would both recommend reading this if you haven't. Um, yeah, so let's go through some of the, the outro stuff here. We have, I think, for the, the next podcast, we're going to be doing uh, Elantris for the next two. So we'll do part one and part two of Elantris. And then, um, I don't know, I'm not sure where we'll go after that. We might do, there's some Elantris-related novellas that we might hit. Um, or we might do some Orson Scott card like Ender's Game and Speaker for the Dead. It's been a while since I've read those books, and I know Gabe's a big fan of those series as well, so we'll probably hit those at some point. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you guys stick around uh, for some future episodes if you enjoyed these uh, first two that we've done so far. Um, again, if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go and uh, check those out. Um, if you want more content from pages of light, you can check out our website, pagesoflight.com, where you can find like blog posts related to our YouTube videos. And, uh, you can also, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell. So you, uh, get notified whenever we're releasing a new video or make sure you subscribe on your podcast app. If you're doing the audio format and you can also leave us a five-star review, lets people know that they enjoyed the, uh, that you enjoyed the podcast and helps other people discover it as well. Uh, you can follow us on social media, of course, Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, Goodreads. Uh, you can follow me personally on Parlor at I am Tyler Thomas. Um, Gabe, where can people follow you if they want to see what you're up to? So if you need uh, technology services, check out. Yeah, that's neighborhoodnerdservices.com. You just cut out. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I have, yeah, we really got to fix it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as I start coming up with Christian Quarantine Quartermaster, um, just give Quarantine Quartermaster. Start, that, as I start, start that again, putting, Quarantine Quartermaster. Yep. Quarantine Quartermaster. So uh, search it on social media. Yeah. And uh, you'll see see the content as I start developing it. Yeah, awesome. 
Uh, yeah, so links for all of those things will definitely be in the description, so you can go down and click all the things. And yeah, thank you very much for listening to these first two episodes of the Pages of Light podcast as we talked about Elantris, or not Elantris, Warbreaker. We'll do Elantris next time. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.